0: just go with it. Hi everybody. Welcome to the GPP Project podcast. I'm John.
1: I'm Julie. And I'm Brittany.
0: This week we're going to handle a bunch of like listener questions. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, stuff we got off Facebook and off Instagram. All those things we've been asking you about. uh, We kind of piled them up and cherry picked the best ones. And that's what we're going to do. So our first question is should training be focused on imbalances or improving power this would be strength training obviously yeah. mm-hmm. so improving ba- uh, focused on imbalances or improving power can you do both at the same time
1: that's a great question yeah awesome.
0: it is really important question
1: so i have a kind of a thought there's actually one of my therapists who said this to me um was that Say, like he was using hip flexion for his. Say you have 45 degree hip flexion in one hip and 45 degree hip flexion in the other. That's not very good, but you can still be really fast and and a good athlete. And not get injured. And not get injured with that. He said the problem arises when you have, say, 45 in one hip and 90 in the other, and that's when you have a problem. Um, So imbalances are extremely important to address. Especially like at the beginning of a downtime or if you've had an injury, obviously that's a sign of an imbalance and you do, you need to put a focused effort on correcting that imbalance mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say if you have a really big imbalance, I'd say focus on your imbalances, clean them up before you really start getting heavy. Because Well, what's the use of having like a lot of strength or power? If you just end up getting injured and have to stop anyways yeah.
0: yeah I think I just to make a short answer of it it's imbalances first yeah period end of story um, the the first order of business is injury prevention that would be the main reason that any athlete should undergo a strength training program and the huge function of that is going to be imbalance mm-hmm. um, correction and, 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 and creating resilience as far as that goes if you don't do anything else, that's a huge win. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a massive, massive... Um, you're leaving a lot on the table as well. Yeah. Like, it, th- this is what else is interesting about this question. Because the second part of it is, can you do both at the same time? And yes and no, mm-hmm. but the, the, the yes part comes from, if you remove a significant imbalance, you're going to improve your power output. Yeah. B- yeah. Because you're removing compensation and because you're correcting patterns.
1: I also think small corrective work is something that you can co- consistently do. Absolutely. Because... It should know, always be a part oh, of Oh yeah, if you have an time. imbalance, and you get injured from that imbalance, and then you correct it, why would you stop continuing to, to make sure that that stays in place? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Uh, I think absolutely. that's
1: a, a big miss with a lot of athletes, myself included. I've totally done this, for, where you, you rehab an injury. And as soon as it's better, you stop doing all of the things that you were doing to make that injury better. And really, you should continue to do them to prevent it from happening again. And the number one thing, if your goal is performance, the absolute best way to improve performance is consistency in training. Mm -hmm. So the best way to improve performance is to not get injured so you can train consistently. Mm -hmm. I've met a lot of athletes, a lot of runners who... Could be really, really, really good, but they only ever get three to four months of consistent training before they get another injury and have to take time off, and then they have to take two steps back. So instead of taking two steps forward and one step back, two steps forward, one step back, if you stay uninjured, you can just keep taking steps forward. Yeah. I also think um, because imbalances are going to cause asymmetry in power, I'm from one side of the body to the other. And if you are imbalanced, you will be inefficient. And if you're inefficient, you're going to be slower. So, yeah, it's like what you were saying, John. Correct those imbalances. You're going to become, your stride and your, and your form are going to be more efficient. And running is just going to be easier and you're going to be faster from it.
0: Yeah, so the, and the other thing I think that's important to realize is that training for power like unless you're specifically a power sport athlete you're not training for power constantly mm-hmm. and even if you're a power sport athlete you're not you're not training for power constantly that's definitely a part of your peaking phase mm-hmm. whether or not you're a power sport athlete or not and to be clear like running i mean sprinting is a power sport i guess yeah. if you're getting into the 100 meter that sort of a distance, but for the vast majority of people that are listening to this you're not a power sport athlete it's an important phase of your training, but it's really going to occupy two to three weeks mm-hmm. right before your um, right before your competition date or your peaking date and the realization of that is fairly short lived too so what I mean by that is that um, if let's say you start training it three weeks out and you terminate it within a week of your your peak to give yourself that um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Taper. You, the lasting effects of power are like, it's like six days, six to eight days, something like that. You you continue to see the, the benefit of that adaptation. You If you compare that to something like aerobic development, the, the, the residual effects of aerobic training or something, I'm going to get the, the number wrong, but it's something like um, a month or a month and a half yeah. before you Never. start to see that starting to roll back. Uh, you'll, I'll have to look into that and get the specific number because it's been studied. But the point is it's much shorter lived adaptation and, and, um, and response to it. So it's not like you train it forever, is my mm-hmm. point. And it's also very demanding on the body. Like, it's not something you just can roll up and, and do. And that's the other thing, to put that into context about power sport athletes, they're few and far between because the demands on their body are massive. Absolutely. Those people break down really, really quickly. Um, it's it's not something that's that's to be taken lightly.
1: There's a reason why jumpers have a very short shelf life in terms of their athletic career because it's... Like, you want power, like, yeah, that's it right huge. there. For sure. And Same with throwers.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, like, baseball throwing is a, being yeah. a pitcher is obviously a very high injury rate position. Mm-hmm. And some of the other throwing athletes that don't get enough recognition are things like shot put, yeah. uh, discus. Hammer throw, javelin; yeah. those people have a huge rate of turnover because the loads on the body are yeah. massive and yeah.
1: very one-sided, typically.
0: Absolutely, but that's you're that's always a throwing real... with the
1: same arm. Yeah, yeah, that's a
0: really good point. That's a really good point. There's something
1: I'd like to see: an ambidextrous thrower in the Olympics. Every every other throw, he uses a different arm. That'd <laughs> It'd be, be amazing. An
0: ambidextrous Olympics. Yes. Yeah. So so that actually that takes us to something that's interesting. I don't think we plan to talk about this. But something I'm a really big fan of when we are programming power for a running population is to do it single-sided. Mm-hmm. We, we, you, you had both done a lot of work in that area with me because it would be very easy to do like jumping, which is a bilateral movement. Mm-hmm. But So maybe we've set the groundwork for correcting out as much imbalance as we can. But if we're doing our power development unilaterally, meaning one mm-hmm. side and then the other, then we continue to train out asymmetry or discourage the development at any rate of asymmetry. And that touches back to that question of, can you do both at the same time? Kind of, yeah. You're not correcting an imbalance, Mm -hmm. but maybe we're mitigating the development of imbalance. And I think that that's really, really important. And
1: then the key thing to remember there is that whatever side is your weaker side, if you have one, that's your limiting side. So you Mm -hmm. don't, you know, let your strong side uh, indicate, you know, how much or how little you do it's the weak side and that's your max cool
0: um this this really dovetails well with our second question question number two how do you assess your mobility because that's going to give you a big insight Mm -hmm. into imbalances potentially now there are other ways to 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 assess imbalances so strength differential is a huge one of them and that's a little bit more involved maybe um but what do you two think about about assessing mobility
1: I don't love the idea of doing self-assessments. I think that you don't get a good picture. um, You're too close to it. I like to go to a trusted therapist and just, you know, especially at the end of a season or at the beginning of a season right before you start, just going in and saying, you know what, my training is about to ramp up or I just ended, I'm going into off time. Can you just do like a whole body like check? I want to find out where my Mm -hmm. uh, problem areas are. Mm -hmm. and usually they're pretty good at if you have a good therapist anyways they'll be very good at um, finding those Mm -hmm. and finding the cause like the actual yeah where it starts not necessarily where it is but obviously there are ways to self-assess
0: as well um yeah i mean what we use like whether or not it's self-assessment or you're getting assessed by somebody The sort of the gold standard is the is called the fms the functional movement screen, uh, and if you're interested, uh, Grey Cook is the sort of foundational guy, or the founder, I should say, of that school. And he's written some brilliant books. Um, Athletic Body imbalance being one of them, just looking at it on my bookshelf. And that'll take you through actually a self-assessment model. I'm completely in agreement that I think it's, it's invaluable to have uh, an impartial set of eyes because we want to find cheats and explanations mm-hmm. and compromises always whenever we're looking at something. But he does have a method for you to take yourself through a few really, really key tests. And to, to, to name a few of them that we think are super relevant to running is an overhead squat. Mm-hmm. Which is a which is a more demanding squat position, so it's going to look at whole body mobility basically, but a lot of it through the hips and the thoracic spine. Um, an inline lunge. Uh, there's a hurdle step, which is a a, a really. That is a
1: lot of carryover to running. I was just gonna say that's so a fantastic awesome. yeah.
0: assessment for running mobility. Um, and the other ones that i think that stand out in my mind right now are like rotational mm-hmm. which may not seem like it has a large carryover to running but if you have a rotational imbalance through your spine uh you can guarantee that you're there's going to be you're some...
1: wasting energy oh yeah trying to, you know yeah and a fighting lot of, your own body <laughs> and a lot of
0: it also can 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 root I'm not, I'm no therapist, but a lot of it can root in torsion in the hips, and then you're going to get incomplete rotation on one side. So these Mm -hmm. things, what's interesting about assessment, when you look, what you were saying, Julie, about, about it it guiding therapy or guiding treatment is it's still a puzzle. It's not like, like, oh, you have a, you're missing this in your overhead squat. It equals this. The body's very complicated, interrelated. Like you, you, I think that. I think we can all maybe relate to the idea that like any good therapist that we know is like a little bit of a mad scientist. Too, oh, right? yeah, yeah. They're really interesting people in the way that they see things. And and, and some of it is um, intuitive. It's not like you can't teach it. Mm-hmm. They, they It's really impressive, um, which is another reason that I think that that's got to be the number one thing is if this is something you really want to dig into, find somebody that you trust and, mm-hmm. and like build that connection because yeah. they're going to, like, they're going to save your life. Oh, yeah. yeah and, and better
1: yet, find someone who works within your population. We're really lucky that we have someone uh, close by who works with runners all the time. So if you're a runner, try to find a therapist who is a runner, works with runners, understands that population really, really well. Same thing as, you know, if you're a football player or a baseball player or whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, and and look for something. Look for someone who's working within an integrated model. Mm-hmm. Like, I have good relationships with therapists as a trainer and there's a lot of conversation that goes back and forth because nobody, like anybody who tells you that they have all the answers is, is selling you a lie. Yeah. And they, you know, I think that the best therapists are also really humble similarly the best trainers are really humble i know what's outside my wheelhouse and i know Mm -hmm. when when to get someone to the next level i need to either pass them forward or back Mm -hmm. and 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 that's no knock on therapists it's just that they have a scope and like anybody else and that's really really important so with that idea of mobility too um that's a huge piece of the puzzle but it's something that that many different parties can influence Mm -hmm. so you got to have a few people, but I think if they if they're talking, if, if it's integrated, like that's where we're seeing things move anyway, and it's really powerful. Oh, yeah, it's, it's really really powerful.
1: I also think for runners, um, something that's recently been highlighted to me is we are very focused when we're talking about imbalances on the lower body, lower body, lower body, lower body, all the time, and it's true. The lower body is if you're gonna if you can only treat like one half of your body as a runner, the lower body is the more important half, but There is so much that could be going if there's imbalances in the upper part half of your body that could be causing problems Mm -hmm. and inefficiencies in the lower half so um like for example your lat controls the opposite quad and that's can so if there's something going wrong in one of your in say your your right lat your left quad might not be functioning fully. And that's yeah. a huge problem.
0: Controls is strong, but but mm-hmm. what you're tying into, and if you're interested in doing some research on this, um, Thomas Meyer's book, Anatomy Trains, is really what you're referring to. So the, so the idea being that the way that we conceive of the body as like separate muscles is, is flawed. Fundamentally, mm-hmm. that's flawed. It's not the way that energy is transferred through the body. And it's not actually the way that the human body's laid out. Your body's more like... This is gross. It's more like a bag with with muscle stuffed in it <laughs> That's, <incredible. laughs> yeah, that's mm-hmm. and and but that's a better way to look at it is instead of it being you know whatever two hundred distinct muscles, it's really more like one muscle yeah with a lot of different ways of moving and and patterns of recruitment and that's what you're talking about that mm-hmm. there's a kinetic chain. That goes it's it's i'm gonna get the name of it wrong doesn't matter it goes down let's say your left arm across your back and through the right side of your body like through your lat, through Mm -hmm. your glute down your hamstring that's why we can throw that's why we can rotate. like that's why we're able to do some of the athletic movements that we're able to do and thomas meyer's book is foundational and really brilliant and it's totally worth checking out even if you're not Mm -hmm. Yeah, a trainer or a therapist. If you're just interested in sort of advancing the way that you're thinking about your own body, I think it's a brilliant point.
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: We complete on that answer? I I think so. Yeah. Oh well you know what? Actually I have another actually this really ties well to our next question. Mm -hmm. Ah. Yeah. So question three. Stretching, static versus dynamic versus mobility, how much and when? Where do we begin with that?
1: Uh, well, I mean, we just I guess we can start.
0: What What's the difference for those who don't know between static. stretching? And, well, yeah, between static and dynamic, and between mobility work.
1: So okay, mobility so, would be the range of motion in a joint. Yeah. Yeah. Stretch would be the length lengthening of muscle, lengthening of a muscle. I guess. Well, let's talk about or your um, attempt to.
0: Yeah, I think that. I think that mobility is controllable range of yes. motion because that's a really important distinction that if I'm, if I'm moving your hip your, or your leg in space, I might be able to be able to create more movement than you can create. Mm-hmm. And why, I would say that range of motion doesn't necessarily equal mobility. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can all understand what stretching means. Static is without movement. Dynamic is like a rhythmic or where mm-hmm. you're, where you're, um, where you're actually moving into the stretch, or putting
1: things like a, putting like a,
0: momentum or weight into the stretch. Yeah,
1: like a, like hip swings, uh, Frankenstein walk,
0: mm-hmm.
1: arm circles. Mm-hmm.
0: So this is where I was thinking about, and where it gets more confusing is, yeah, that's the definition of mobility as it relates to movement. But there's this big term that's being thrown around now that mobility work as it relates to like foam rollers and lacrosse balls and that. And I think that's what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. So static stretching versus dynamic stretching versus mobility work. How much and when? Um, I'm not a fan of stretching.
1: I am not a fan of static stretching. I think there's a really high degree of injury or a high potential that people end up Yep. over stretching with a static stretch and also um stretching static stretching has been shown to decrease power output so if you're doing if you're you know the kind of like i'm gonna hold one quad for 40 seconds and stretch the other one for 40 seconds before you be- before trying to work out run, whatever you're doing you're actually weakening your muscle mm-hmm. um i also don't think it really helps because i think it's temporary and then things come back together versus um a dynamic stretch such as like the frankenstein walk or the hip swings things like that this is only like anecdotal experience that i'm putting out here but when i do them and when i do them regularly my hips my hamstrings everything feels way better and it's also a little bit more gentle and natural because if you start with a hip swing your hip is only going to go it's only going to go as far as it allows mm-hmm. and the more you do it it kind of slowly opens up versus like forcing yourself and do a stretch that and you know people are like trying to stretch and their legs shaking mm-hmm. twisting into themselves <laughs> into a pretzel and like, like, okay
0: yeah uh, there's so much here yeah, so it's a lot to unpack yeah so I, I totally agree with you with dynamic stretching and in my mm. mind the the value in it is really not I think stretching is misused here yeah. because what you're getting is muscle recruitment through an agonist-antagonist relationship, mm-hmm. usually. So with the hip swing, you need to activate your posterior chain to get your leg to move back. And there's no, we don't usually call it an anterior chain, but your anterior leg and, and hip musculature in order to bring your leg forward. So I, in my mind, it's much less about stretching, quote unquote, than it is about activating. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of muscle activation. Usually what happens is people have some kind of complaint around, like let's say I'm a runner, I've got tight hips, tight hips, tight hips, tight hips. Well, what's the other thing that we know, generally speaking, about a running population? Is that what they have is weak hips. And what they have is inactive glutes and inactive hamstrings. And that's, that weakness and inactivity gets experienced as tension. So to use that same example, you can you can stretch your hamstrings 40 hours a week. And if they're not firing properly and that kinetic chain, that posterior chain isn't working, it, you're not going to get anything out of it. It's mm-hmm. not going to have an effect, period. In spite of the fact that it's going to give you a bit of a confirmation bias because it's going to feel like you're doing something. Mm-hmm. It's going to be uncomfortable. And unfortunately, people have a tendency of, okay well i can feel it doing something but i'm not getting a result so i'm going to go harder and i'm going to go harder and i'm going to go harder and then like you said julie you're injured Mm -hmm. you're separating tendon from bone or any of the other yeah really aggressive so gross it it is it's terrible (laughs) and and it's it's totally preventable and especially when you start with that principle that you're probably not going to get anything out of it in the first place that idea of that long static stretch is very ineffective Don't talk to a yogi about it. (laughs) That's fine. As a a, a recovering yogi, don't talk to somebody because they're going to give you a million reasons why they think it's good. And none of them are based in science. This is the truth is that it's, it's, it's not a very effective strategy. Getting back to the mobility aspect of it. This has become a really, really big area of focus or area of awareness for Mm -hmm. people if you're interested in a a running specific mobility program and book uh ready to run by dr kelly starrett with tj murphy is a fantastic resource it's going to guide you through uh like some self-diagnosis to to focus your your attention and uh and it's it's laid out with a ton of photos it's really really good um to, to like do mobility how much and how often and when uh like 10 minutes a day every day no days off well your mobility practices every day and i would say like get a resource on it Mm -hmm. you know like it's really hard to talk about this stuff over over a podcast because it's very visual and the learning should be visual uh but check out the book and check out mobility wad that's a that's a website go to mobility w o d um dr kelly starrett has something like 600 videos up on youtube that are going to help you through different areas of restriction and discomfort and what have you uh and final point on this if you aren't engaging in a daily mobility practice like get on it you're, yeah you're, absolutely it, it it's the sort of thing that it doesn't have it doesn't correct underlying patterns. Mm-hmm. So what we were saying before about how do you assess mobility? Well, if you're not strengthening what's needed in order to improve your squat, your mobility practice won't get you there. But if you have a big restriction that's that's impeding how you can train that squat to improve it, then mobility has to be a big piece of it. Yes. So it's not everything. It's just a big piece of the pie. Yeah.
1: And that's also why we, we recommended to see. going to see someone because also if you are doing all this work for mobility and doing all this strength work and you're not seeing improvements, chances are there's something else going on with something's not firing properly. And if, if, if you have a muscle that's not firing properly, you need to go see someone because they can. Help you to get it to fire properly
0: yeah that's I've got a great example in myself of that I've got one lat that's like like visibly bigger than the other because it's been inactive mm-hmm. and I can still do chin-ups and pull-ups and I can train it quote-unquote but it wasn't working the same as the other one mm-hmm. and over repetitive use and repetitive use it just there's been more hypertrophy on one side than the other and my lats are mm-hmm. A different size, which is obviously not good. <laughs> but to your point, it's, it was inactive; it wasn't firing properly, and it wasn't until I went, and like you know, took ownership of that. I was looking in the mirror, and I'm like, "What the heck is going yeah. on?" Here? All
1: the beach pictures that you take just turn to the side. <laughs> yeah, you have good just side. get my good side, yeah. my, <laughs> my big lat.
0: This <laughs> is like one of the many times I was looking at myself in the mirror, uh, just, yeah. Yeah, taking no,
1: those bathroom mirror selfies. It really exactly is pretty it. crazy. Like I find this stuff so cool because I also, being in downtime right now. I went to go see someone because I was having a, struggling with like a, nagging hamstring thing. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go see somebody about this. And turns out, like the entire left side of my body was asleep, and some stuff on my right side, like my big toe on my left foot, which was affecting, which my arch was collapsing because of it, and all this stuff. Like it's crazy. If
0: this seems um like sci-fi. To you like yeah, is. go to see somebody who's no no, but like it's, it's, it affects it affects everybody yeah you know? like this this may seem like really um if if you don't have experience especially too like I know a lot of people who really avoid going to see a manual therapist, be that a chiropractor or a massage therapist or osteopath whatever your cho- massage therapy whatever your chosen discipline is or but I know people who treat it like this really they're very defensive about it mm-hmm. because it seems like there's some um like admission of failure or something like, like oh i don't need to see somebody it's like right but you're in pain like yeah. why would you not go down that road but even if you're not in pain if you just think that there like there's a there is a performance gain to be had if you're absolutely. if you're active like if you're if you're exercising 4 times a week and you're going to see somebody once a year that's way that the ratio yeah, isn't right there absolutely. you should see somebody especially and, if your benefits cover it yeah go once a month like use your benefits and let's
1: be honest like if i told you that you can go and do a thing that isn't like extra training but it will make you faster so you don't have to train any more than what you're doing you don't have to change your training at all you just gotta go see someone to get you know a muscle fixed and it'll make you faster would you do it of course you would yes yeah, yeah. easy what's our there's a, one more question one on that more list. question.
0: The importance of rest days.
1: I love rest days. Yeah. They're great. I used to hate them. I used to, by the end of the day, I was like, somebody, like, I'm going to pull my hair out. Like Somebody, don't talk yeah. to me right now. Um,
0: I but, love that this isn't actually a question. It's just a statement. Because it's like, there's not really a question. It's just like, let's just talk about what? Like yeah. a love affair with rest days? Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know.
1: <laughs> they are so important for, I think so often, especially with runners, they're afraid of People are afraid of taking rest days because they're like, oh, I'm missing out on training. I won't get proper mileage in, you know, etc. on and on, so many things. But rest days allow your training to be better. Um, I recently started taking two full rest days instead of just one. And I held up over my season way better than I was before. And my workouts, I could actually work hard. It allowed my body time to to heal, to recover, my energy levels were better. And if you can, if you can, if your on days can be better quality, you're going to get more bang for your buck. Mm -hmm. Why not, why not do that? And let's be clear that a rest day, like going for, you know, an hour long bike ride in place of a run doesn't count as a rest day, that counts as a cross training day. Just Mm -hmm. to clarify, for anyone who was confused or who was about to ask that question, rest means, like, do your mobility work, and that's, like, all you really need. you want to go for, like, a light walk? Yeah, like, I love doing You don't sit on your butt all day. Obviously, you're allowed to move around, but, you know. I I don't have anything to add to
0: that. I I think that's exactly it, and and I actually do have something to add to it. What I think is really insightful about Julie's example is that um, she needed to experiment with it and by adding in more rest she got better so everyone else has a different sweet spot Mm -hmm. um and that would be one of the first experiments that i would run with myself is instead of if you're looking to improve your performance instead of pushing how much more training can i do to get better i'd go in the opposite direction and say how little training can i do to continue to get better because that's the direction Mm -hmm. that often unlocks that next level for people when you're talking about intensity julie that's that's the that's the desirable aspect in order to improve performance, and if you're adding in more intensity, you that there's like a reciprocal thing. You need to add in more rest and recovery. That's mm-hmm. that that's 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 understood. But usually people don't operate that way. They usually operate adding in more training and backing off intensity, and then you're just doing a lot of garbage, mm-hmm. and that's not going to get you anywhere. I mean, no. Nobody needs more garbage mm-hmm. in their in their week.
1: No. I'm going to make this statement. Because I believe in it, and I think everybody else should too. If you are not currently taking at least one full rest day a week, you're doing it wrong. That's, I. We're going to be bold, and we're just going to say we're gonna it. I'm going to say, oh, it depends on the person. Nope. No. Everybody yeah, no. needs rest. Everybody, everybody. needs rest. I, I have so many of my writing friends who are like, I haven't taken a rest day in like two or three weeks. I guess I should probably take one. Too like, much. no. Unless you're Clark Kent. Okay, if your name is Superman... Then we'll talk, and I think even he takes rest days. Yeah. How do you think he gets so buff? <laughs> that's that's true. You know, what? muscle is built when you're resting, not when you're working out. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, uh, it's the repair of muscle that causes.
0: I think the term gets shortened too often. Like the idea of rest, like what that's referencing is restoration, mm-hmm. and that needs to happen. Needs to happen. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that's it
1: that is it. i feel good about that i do feel good about that
0: awesome if you
1: guys have any other questions please comment or send us an email or because we do answer them <laughs> <laughs> Yay. yeah absolutely do another one of these
0: send your questions to facebook the gpp project instagram at the gpp project twitter at the gpp project three p's
1: uh, people three p's yeah
0: <laughs> and um Yeah, you could also send it to info at Mm thegppproject.com. We'll check that email for sure. Mm
1: -hmm. And you know what? If you like what you're hearing today, please like and share. Share the love. Share the knowledge. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Have fun with your rest days.
0: And have fun with your holidays. I guess we're getting to that season. So, Mm -hmm. Actually, when is this podcast going to come out? Monday. Monday. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So have fun with your holidays. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, until next time.
1: Yeah, thanks for listening.